Welcome to the Gutch Church Podcast. My name is Kennedy Shear, and thanks so much for joining us. Today, we have a great word from my dad, Pastor Bill Shear. If this ministry has changed your life, will you let us know? Send us an email to story at gutschurch.com. Open your Bibles to Romans, the fourth chapter. Last week was a street fight for me. Um, it, it, it's like I like the Tour de France or something where you climb in that hill and you get to the top. Now you get to the, the end of chapter three was that. And, uh, but we're in chapter four. We're going through, in August, we went through the book of Ephesians. And uh, it was a five-week series that was a blessing to be able to teach. In September, we started the uh, adventure of Romans. Romans, the theme of Romans is Man, the good news of Jesus, the, uh, which is pretty novel, I guess, huh? since it's in the Bible. But I believe it's the, really the most important thing that's ever been written is the book of Romans. Um, I believe, uh, man, Paul, who was a master builder, an architect in the kingdom, a church architect, he, uh, he didn't start the church at Rome, but he was on a mission to get there. The first two-plus chapters of, of the book of Romans, he depicted the wrath of God. And the wrath of God isn't a sledgehammer God hits you with. It's not lightning coming from his fingertips zapping you. The wrath of God is actually God giving you what you want. It's not his will, but it's what you want. And God will, God will give you that. And the Bible refers to that as his wrath. And he... The, the, the book of Romans is written to unbelievers. It's written to moralists, guys that are, that are, uh, that are man, I'm a, I'm a good guy, and I, 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 I live a good life, therefore I'm better than most. And then religious people, religionists, and they were the, the Jews, the people that, it's like, look, you, you pronounce the law, yet you can't live by it. And Paul, in the first almost three chapters exposes all of that, brutally exposes it. And um, it, was, it was a joy to teach, it was, it, but it was also, um, you know, we're, we're dealing in America, um, half of America is that if you're a good person and you do good things, it's going to, that, that determines um, your righteousness, um, three-fourths of America feel like they've got to do good things to get to heaven. And, you know, we're, none of that's true. We get to heaven because we make a decision for Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. That's how we go to heaven. And I, a lot of people ask me, they'll say, well, are you once saved, always saved? I, I, don't, I haven't really thought about it. And then they say, well, is there, is there an unpartisan? I said, here's how I, I look at it personally. A decision gets you in. A decision can get you out. Okay? It's that simple. So Romans, the fourth chapter, the first verse. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Now listen to this. Abraham, this, this is huge for us. 
Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Stop right there and look at that verse. That word accounted is actually an accounting term. It's a banking term. That word, that word accounted means he went from being spiritually bankrupt to being righteous. And here's how this happened. God took, Abraham's 87 years old. God took him out into the, into the hillside and, and he, he, he said, now look up. And he looked up and he said, look at all those stars. And there was no light pollution, like you could, I mean, it was just this galaxy of stars that Abraham's looking at. And he said, your descendants will outnumber those stars. Now listen to this. Abraham's response was, amen. 87 years old, married to an old woman. His name, Abram, meant a virtuous father. Abraham meant a, a, a vast quantity of, as a father. Neither, neither one of them did he have any. So it was almost that he had to, the devil could rip him off thinking, man, that's a sick joke. So God changed his name to an abundant father instead of just a virtuous father. Well, so matter of fact, when God spoke to Abraham and, and called him Abraham, Sarah chuckled. And probably under her breath. But God said, Sarah, what are you laughing about? I mean, God was serious. But listen, Abram went from being bankrupt. This is huge for us. He went from being bankrupt spiritually to being righteous because he said amen to God. That's why I say a decision makes you righteous. We enter into into. Jesus' righteousness because we make him Lord of our lives. So verse 4, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. See, understand that. We can't earn this. God's grace is overwhelmingly sufficient for every situation of our lives. But we can't earn it because we could never deserve it. But what's God do? He gives it to us. Why does God grace us? Because he's required us to live by faith. Do you understand how impossible it is for human beings to live by faith and not by sight? That's impossible. So you know what God did? God hooked grace up to our faith. We're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It's a gift to God. See, this whole thing, it's not debt. We can't earn our way in. Man, you guys don't serve God You guys don't serve the church. You don't work at the church. You don't volunteer so that you can be saved or it's going to get you a bump up in line. You serve God because you love people. You serve God because Jesus Jesus came to serve. See, and I'll be real honest with you. You're You're not experiencing church if you're not serving. Somewhere, somehow. See, you can't be like that bucket of water that if you put your finger in it and pull it out, the water displaces where your finger was. See, it's got to, you have to make a measurable difference in the church. It's got to matter that you're here to somebody. But let me tell you, strings are attached to that. There's two ugly words that are attached to that. 
Number one is responsibility. Number two is accountability. So it, it's kind of like this. It's kind of, you ask people, you say, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Well, yeah. Heck yeah, I do. I go to church. Do you follow Jesus? It's a harder question. It's a tougher answer. If you're not serving, are you following Jesus? I'm just asking. This isn't an attempt to... See, at this point at this church, we're just building a bench. There's a few holes, not many. A few open positions, not many. But why would we want to build a bench? Because those who have, more will be given. I want, this is all about picking a fight, friends. That's all this is. It's a fight of faith. And, and I want to be about picking big fights, making a difference in people's lives and communities and our state and our country. Verse 5, but to him who doesn't work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. See, that's where this righteousness that Abraham got to walk in because he said amen, simply said amen to God. That's, that's what his response was. When God said, look, you're going to be the father of many nations. He said amen. It was accounted. He went from being bankrupt to righteous like that. That's great news for all of us. Well, verse 5 it puts us into that same equation. So verse 6, Romans 4, 6, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Do you see this? We haven't earned it. See, if we get paid for this, it's just a debt that served us. Man, we... The Bible says don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. You don't give because you want everyone to know you're a big giver. Really, honestly, Sandy and I have no idea, no idea what people give here. And you know what? We'll be in pastor's groups, and there's, there's much smarter than me pastors out there that say, well, you know, that's not wise. You better know what people are giving. I don't want to. It messes with me. But do you understand how I don't want to mix things up in my heart for that? I know me, but see, let me tell you, there's a point where if I knew that someone had tithed for years and don't tithe now, man, that's a, that's a red flag. That's a warn. Either going through something or something's in their life. Man, I want to be there for them because let me tell you, we're not just intuitive. Once in a while, God will grace us to know somebody's going through something and we, we haven't heard any specifics about it, but by and large, that's not the case. By and large, whatever you're going through, I really don't have any idea. My plate's pretty full with me. So if you're thinking, well, I, Pastor Bill's judging me, I'm really not. It's a full-time job judging myself, trying to, trying to stay on track for me. Verse 7, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Why, why is he writing all this? Because all these, A, unbelievers, this is great news. But to the Jews, this was a foreign concept to them. 
They're thinking God's mad at them. They're, 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 they're stiff-necked. They're whitewashed tombstones. You have to understand, this is written by a rabbi, a Pharisee, wrote this. He knew that what was going on. Verse 9, does the blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? And here, that, that it's a banking term, taking you out. Abraham came out of spiritual bankruptcy. How then is it accounted, or how did he come out of bankruptcy? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised, Abraham was circumcised, gather yourself, when he was 99. The law, I think, I, somebody help me, it was 400 years before Moses even came into the picture. And, and that's when they made circumcision a law for the Jews. 400 years before that, Abraham was circumcised. So did, was, did he become righteous because of his circumcision or because of his uncircumcision? Not while circumcised, by while, but when he was uncircumcised, when he was 86, and he's looking at those stars, and God accounted to him for righteousness, he was uncircumcised. At 99, he became circumcised. And he received the sign of the circumcision, a seal of the righteous. It's an outward expression like our baptism. It, honestly, it's what it is. It's like water baptism. The righteous of the, of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, then he might be the father of those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. See, you've got to put this in perspective. It, it was greater than a racial divide. It was greater than us and them. These were people without God. They were godless people. And Paul came in five years after the, res, the, uh, the ascension. Five years after the ascension, Paul starts talking about faith in God for, for uncircumcised people, for Gentiles. For godless people. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are circumcision, but also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to the seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. See, this we don't, this isn't the deeper things of God here. How are you righteous? You trust God. How do you make righteous decisions? You trust God. How do you trust God? You immerse yourself in God's word. I'll tell you what's interesting. I've been thinking about this lately. And Sandy and I talk about this a lot at, at meals and drinking coffee in the morning. This is a big family to oversee, just so you know. And there's the baptism of Jesus, his word. We're born again by that, and it's a track for life. There's baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
that I'm convinced God gives us so that he can be attracted and connected to us. No matter how ugly we are. No matter how raunchy. What it, I mean, he's bypassing our th- evil thoughts and going right to his spirit that's on the inside of us. Okay? And then there's the baptism of fire. And, and I, I was thinking about this recently that I was with a group of preachers years ago, and they're like, we're just, God, we ask for your baptism of fire to come upon us. And I'm like, hold it, hold it, hold it. We're asking God to rain fire on us? Because what God, let me tell you what the fire of God does. It burns up all our carnality. So most of the athletic trophies <laughs> and commendations and things you've got in your life, the fire of God makes it go poof. And it's cinder. It's wood, hay, and stubble. But the things that are gold, silver, and precious stones, that gets purified. And that's great. But I went to God. I said, so God, are some people that are, get disoriented in the church and get di- out of alignment in the church, is it because there's, they're going through a baptism of fire? Because I think that that's admirable to, to, to want to go through that baptism of fire. Purify me, God. You know, you might enter a fast and not eat for a couple weeks, or you might, you might, you might stop doing social media or looking at the television or, or whatever that is. I remember back in, in, the, in the late 80s, I, we, I was on a fast, and I got convicted about reading Sports Illustrated. You know, and our Sports Illustrated came every Friday. Man, I'd go home, right? I knew when the mail, mailman was there, and I'd go and I'd get my Sports Illustrated, and man, I'm going cover to cover with that thing. And you know what I did? I laid it down. And, um, and really, I, I kept getting it, but something broke in my life about it. That might have been a baptism of fire that God took me through. I mean, it, it doesn't matter to God to say by many or by few. These little insignificant things sometimes are huge. So Romans 4.14, For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. See, this is all about the inheritance that we get as believers. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there's no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. In Ephesians, the second chapter, it said we're saved by grace through faith and not, not of ourselves. He's, re- he, he, he's repeating to the, he's writing to the Ephesians what he writes to the Romans here. Therefore, it's a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. Notice there that there's, a, there's almost an alignment adjustment that happens where he says, listen, these guys that are of the, of the seed of Abraham are bumping up above the guys that, are, that have followed, followed, tried to follow after the law. As it's written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Think about that. There's things in our lives that we've thought, man, that's the, that dream is dead. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, time out. Who said it was dead? What does God do? 
gives life to the dead. Well, but man, it's just, it's not working out for me. Whoa, 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 who's saying it's not working out? God calls those things which be not as though they were. We give up on people, we give up on projects, we give up on assignments. We give up because we're, we're going through an experience. Let me, let me tell you about how the, de- the obstacles of my, the, the, the call of God on my life. The obstacles are shockingly stubborn. Man, when I first gave my life to the Lord, um, Sandy and I will travel and we'll, we'll be walking on the tarmac and you, you get to that moving, that lateral escalator. It's not an escalator because it's not going up. But it's a moving sidewalk. You get on that thing and it's like, oh my gosh. And then, and then when it's not going and you go to step on, it's not going, it's like, I'm looking around for somebody. It's not moving. The first, the first year or so of my life in God was on one of those conveyor belts. I mean, I'm just going. And now it's like obstacle after obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Because my life has gone from what? It went from why to what? Now it's who. So now, I'm, I'm t- here's what's interesting. And, and some of you guys have heard me refer to this scripture countless times. But Paul's on his way to Troas to preach the gospel. His motives were right. God had opened a door for him, but he couldn't find his peace because Titus wasn't there. Now, who is Titus? And why is God opened a door? He went to preach. God had opened a door for him in Troas. But Titus wasn't there, so he couldn't find his peace. So he circled back to Macedonia, hooked up with Titus. Revival broke out in Macedonia. He went to Troas, and revival broke out there. And I'm telling you, that's where I am in my life right now. It's not the what. It's not the why. It's not the what. It's the who. That's all that matters anymore. All that matters is the who. That's why I get up and say, man, this is best lived if you're serving somewhere, if it matters that you're here. Why? Because you become one of the who's then. And I think it's that simple. And you know what? I think most people, because it's like we got to be professional about this church thing, it's like, well, there's no real holes, there's no real gaps. I don't... There's no holes, there's no gaps, and, and, and they don't, what, what would they need me for? It's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? It's, it's all about stacking the deck on the who's, and then God giving us great exploits. And I, I love verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. See, God took this, took him out of the equation and put it on his descendants, put it on you. So Abraham's not thinking, 
how's this going to happen in my life? I'm 87 years old. Now it's, it, it, it puts it on you. It puts it on me. Now, now the shift happens. And that's what happens in our lives when we, lives when we serve. The shift happens. Man, I'll, I'll talk to the, most of these guys that are 38 and 40 and 42 years old that have been serving in the church for 20 years have been through the kids department and the youth department, and they're seeing young adults getting married, having kids, and they're referring to them. They were in their Christmas program when they worked in the kids program. It's like, oh, my gosh, it's just, it's unbelievable this, the, how life just keeps cycling through this church. And generations start getting stacked and built. Well, that happens because we find a place. We put our passion in it. And not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body already dead since he was 100 in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised God that what God had promised he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay. Step one, Jesus is Lord of my life. Step two, I'm trusting you, God. Step three, I'm going to continue to trust you. Now it's a life of trusting you, God. All I'm going to do is trust you. So something comes up. A pandemic comes up, I'm trusting you. The government starts getting shaky, I'm trusting you. We get, we get word of what's happening in cities, God, I'm trusting you. Man, what, there's, there's, there's reports of the military, God, I'm trusting you. Inflation hits, God, I'm trusting you. There's no baby formula, God, I'm trusting you. We might have a shortage of toilet paper. Dear God, I'm trusting you. <laughs> no, but you see, this is how this works. Otherwise, if we stop, see, we walk. We stop walking, fear, anxiety, depression, unbelief just catches up with us. All of it's behind us right now. That's why half of the times in the Word, it says, don't look back. Don't look back. Trip playing flag football. He's my six-year-old grandson. He went on a breakaway, and, and the whole time he's dirty. He's looking, he's looking like this. And I'm going, go, go, quit looking back. Afterwards, I, he, he had like three or four big runs like that. Afterwards, Sandy goes, you know, Trip, you're an amazing athlete. And he's like, I didn't get a treat. And, uh, and, and, and I say, hey, Trip, when you get out in front of everybody, don't look back. They can't catch you. Just put your ears back and go. He said, put my ears back. I said, okay. <laughs> Just go. He goes, I said, don't look back. You can't look. He goes, that's too hard. I got to look. <laughs> See, but in our lives, we, if we don't look back, he can't catch us. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, Abraham, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Remember our definition for justification here. 
It's repeated in chapter 4 from chapter 3, just as if we'd never sinned. So God didn't impute our sin. What does he impute? Our justification. Do you see how the, do you see how the, the bankruptcy turns into extreme wealth spiritually? We're spiritually bankrupt, and now we're not. Now all our needs met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now we're a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Now, listen, we're the righteousness of God in Christ. Paul said, it's no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. Now the hope of glory is on the inside of us. So we're not, we're not just hoping it's, I, I hope it, it's going to work out, man, I hope so. No, it's going to work out because I'm full of hope. Because my faith works my hope, and my hope works my faith, and that cycle make, causes me to win. Chapter 4 was, wasn't nearly as difficult as chapter 3. But I hope you're getting something out of this. I hope it's worth, it's the word. It's worth your attention, your time. Don't just rely on this service to get this embedded in your hearts. Please take these weeks that we're going through Romans and just get into it yourself. Immerse yourself in it. Man, do, do word studies. Man, get a Dake's Bible. Get an Amplified Bible. Get all of this you can. You with me on that? If you're here and your life's not right with God or you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to pray for everybody. Everybody's going to repeat this prayer. And, and you might say, well, why? Because we're going to hear in a few weeks in the book of Romans, it says we believe in our heart unto righteousness and we confess with our mouth unto salvation. It's, 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 the, it, it's us verbalizing this that seals the deal for our salvation. And it's, it's not just fire insurance from hell, we get to go to heaven. It's, it's the God kind of life on the earth here. How many of you guys are experiencing the God kind of life in your, in your daily life? Can I see your hands? The God kind of life, man. You, you get a symptom, you're like, nope, 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 not today, devil. See, we, it, it's time for us to just start abusing the devil. And how do we do that? We speak the word in season and out of season. We pray without ceasing in everything we give thanks. That's the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Let's all pray together. Father God, I give you my life. I thank you for that life. My life is amazing. Lift your voice and say it again. God, I thank you now that Jesus is Lord of my life. God, you're whom I trust. I'm trusting your promise. I want all of you I could get. God, you are incredible. So now I am too because your spirit's on the inside of me. I'm not walking on this earth as a mere man anymore. I'm a supernatural man now. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. God, I thank you. I'm going to heaven. I'll never smell Gehenna, the scent of hell. I live forever. 
So God, my decisions, my thoughts, my plans are all going to come from that place that I live forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information about the ministries of Gut Church, visit our website at gutschurch.com.